Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a sermon series called Revealed, a study of Jesus in the Old Testament. Our hope is that our eyes will be open to see that all scripture points to Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. I'm Brian Wilmarth. I'm one of the pastors. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I invite you, if you would, take out your Bibles um, and turn to the book of, get ready for it, Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. Um, So it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the third book in the Bible. Um, I I don't know about you, but when when you think about the book of Leviticus, um, I I think about like the one-year Bible reading plans. You know, how you get a few weeks in, you're six weeks in, and you don't quite make it. And it's because of Leviticus, right? Like, that is the stumbling block for finishing those year, year-long reading plans. Well, today, we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 16. And I'm actually really excited. Um, believe it or not, I'm genuinely excited that we're going to be looking at this text today. Um, because I think we're going to see the foreshadowing of the gospel, We're in this series called Reveal. We're looking at how Jesus is in the Old Testament, how all these scriptures point to him, how they're echoes of Jesus. And today, our our text is about a process called the Day of Atonement. And I think we're going to see the gospel emerge from it. Um, So if you're following along in the notes, I want to just remind you of our series sentence. If you're following along, uh, we're doing this series so that our eyes may be opened to see all scripture points to Jesus. So our eyes may be opened to see all scripture points to Jesus. That's why we're doing this series. So we can see Jesus. So we can see the gospel, even from the beginning of the Bible. So if you would, would you join me in a word of prayer as we begin? Lord, thank you so much that we get to learn from you. You have given us your word. Father, you have taught us through it so many times. And God, as we look at the Old Testament... Would we see that it is one big story, it is one plan where you are at work, and Lord, you want to save us. So thank you, Father. Thank you for that. Help us to see, help us to learn, help us to know uh, what it is that you want us to learn. So thank you, Father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So you may see uh, something up here. It's kind of obvious. We have a curtain. Uh, This is a representation of something that's in our text today. Um, This curtain represents a curtain that existed in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a big tent, and it's basically where God's presence dwelt. And and this is a representation of that. Now, you'll notice the curtain is closed. It's closed. Um, God's presence dwells on that side of the curtain, and... We're on this side. There's separation. There's a barrier. Why is there a barrier? Think about those moments in your life where you saw your own character flaws. Those moments where you felt like you came up short. Those moments where you felt like you didn't measure up. These 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 moments where you didn't want other people to see what was underneath. These moments come in our lives. Uh, they show up and, and we're like, we, we, we want to cover them up. We don't, we don't want them to be there because I think we're afraid that if somebody sees them, that if God sees them, 
They're going to keep us from getting to him. And so a lot of times what we do is we try to make up for them. You know, we try to do more good than bad, try to tip the scales. We try to make up for them. Sometimes we try to justify them. I'm not as bad as, or I was just raised that way. And sometimes we just, we just try to ignore them. We don't even see them ourselves. We don't want to see them. I think it's because we're afraid that these, these things in our lives, these moments, are going to keep us from God. For me, one of those things is uh, sometimes I care more about other people's opinions than God's opinion. I give more stock to what other people think than what God does. Barrier. And sometimes I'm more concerned about my own success, how I uh, might achieve something versus the success of God's kingdom. Barrier. Maybe for you, it's you trust people more than you trust God or yourself. Barrier. I don't know what these moments are. These things in your life that you just want to cover up, but we're afraid that they're barriers to God. That if he sees them, if other people see them, we're not going to be able to approach him. The bad news is that it's true. These things actually do keep us from God. These things, these moments, these things that we want to cover up, put this curtain here. It's true. We call this sin. And sin keeps us from God. It prevents us from approaching him. Sin is a barrier to approaching God. So if you're following along in the notes, I want this to be abundantly clear. Our sin is a barrier to approaching God. Our sin is a barrier to approaching God. That's the bad news. And the text today in Leviticus 16 puts that out in front of us, right out of the gates. And so if you're, if you're not already there, go ahead and turn there. And if you, I forgot to say this earlier, if you don't have a Bible, um, we've got these in the seat racks in front of you. Go ahead and grab one. It's on page 79, uh, 79. We're going to look at verses one and two to start. So uh, if you would follow along with me. Chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come in whenever he chooses into the most holy place, behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark, or else he will die. For I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. We get God talking to Aaron, who is the high priest. He's the religious leader for the Israelites. And God says, you cannot Come in to me whenever you want. You can't approach me however you want. There are certain boundaries because if you cross it, you're going to die. And the reason God says that that's true is because he dwells in this space. Now, there's an idea in operation that we might miss, but it's the idea of holiness, Leviticus talks about holiness uh, in a few different places and in a few different ways, but it's got this theme all the way permeating. And it's basically saying God is holy. 
God is holy. Now, this word, it means set apart. Um, It means uh, special. It means distinct. Uh, Things that are holy are, are elevated. And that's in contrast to the way Leviticus portrays other things. And it uses the language of unclean, um, impure, things like that. Uh, That is the realm of sin. Holiness and sin cannot touch each other. They cannot come into contact. They don't belong together. And so uh, when we hear this idea of holiness, uh, we, we might think about like, Metals like um, gold or minerals like diamonds or something. But when you think about gold, when we mine it, it has other stuff that often comes with it. And it's got to go through a refinement process to clean all that extra stuff out. Well, when gold is really valuable is when it's pure. When it is cleaned out of all the other stuff, that's when it has its significance, when it has its value. The same is true for holiness. It can't have this other stuff associated with it. It's got to be cleaned out. It's got to be separated from. The same is true for God. He cannot be with sin. So if you're following along in the notes, God is holy and cannot be with sin. God is holy and cannot be with sin. As, the, as our passage starts out, it talks about... Um, the sons of Aaron, when they died. Now, this is a, a, a reference that basically uh, gives an example of what we're talking about, this holiness idea. And it came in chapter 10 of Leviticus. And we've got the first couple of verses on the screen here. And, and you can see the story play out. So Aaron's sons. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers. They put fire in them and added incense. They were priests, so they were doing their job. Um, but they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. They died before the Lord. Holiness and sinfulness cannot come into contact. And it had explosive consequences for Aaron's sons. They were priests. They were set apart to do this role, but they did it their own way. And it was explosive. That's how serious this business is. That's what's at stake. That's what's going on here. So when, when God shows up and starts talking to Moses to pass on to Aaron, he, he basically says, I don't want the same thing to happen to Aaron that happened to his sons. And that's what's called to our mind. God is holy and he cannot be with sin. Sin creates this curtain. It creates the separation. It creates this barrier So we can't access God freely. There's a barrier. What's your barrier? What was that thing that you thought of as we started our conversation today? What are those moments where you just want to cover up? Where you fall short, where you feel like you don't measure up, where you don't want people to see? We've got some space on the notes there. I'd love for you to get really specific What is it that God is impressing upon your heart? What is this barrier? Name it. It's going to be really important as we go today. Um, But I would love, if you've got something right now, go ahead and write it down. If you need to think on it, maybe it emerges as we we have our conversation. You can write it down later. But I I want you to write it down. 
Because our tendency is to, to not write these kinds of things down. We don't, we don't want to go there. But it's really helpful, helpful for us, and I hope you'll see why shortly. Okay, so we've got on the table, sin creates a barrier for us to approach God. Uh, it, it creates a curtain. That's why this curtain is here. It's because of our sins, these moments, these barriers. But God is not wanting things to stay that way. He is not content to leave our relationship broken like this. He's going to do something about it. God is going to make something happen for us. But as we're going to see, uh, it comes at a cost. And so the rest of the chapter is talking about this process, this day called the Day of Atonement. Um, And it's basically a religious uh, festival and a religious process to uh, make right the relationship between God's people and God. And so uh, I'm going to give you a quick summary. We're going to read a few, few sections, but we're going to summarize some of the chapter. Um, but let's pick up in verse 3, and we're going to read a few verses together. So this is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must f- first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot, for the Lord, the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it to the wilderness as a scapegoat. So we'll, we'll pause there. These verses are a summary of what's going to happen. And as you'll see, there's a lot of animals that are going to be sacrificed. There's a bull, there's two goats, and two rams. Uh, All of this is part of the process. So basically, uh, what Aaron is going to do is he's going to walk through this process. He he washes himself, he bathes, and he changes his clothes. Now, normally, he's wearing very uh, ornate priestly robes, but he gets into linen garments. And this is an expression of humility. Because what's going to happen is very significant, and he wants to reflect reverence to the God. And what he'll do is he's going to approach the tabernacle. Now, tabernacle, again, is this big tent where God's presence dwelled. And we actually got a picture so you can see this a little more clearly of what what it looked like, what was happening. There's three primary spaces. The first big space is the courtyard. And in the courtyard, this is where the altar is. The altar is where they offer the sacrifices, where they burn these animals. Inside the tent, the first room is called the holy place. In the holy place was an incense altar where they'd create incense and smoke. There was a table with some bread on it, and this was to symbolize fellowship with God, like sharing a meal in community. And then there was a lampstand to create light because uh, the curtains were four layers thick, so there was no light getting in. And so this was the light of, of, of this space. That's the holy place. And this is where the priests could enter and do their work but only the priests could come into this space. Then finally, inside that is another inner room. This is called the Holy of Holies, or the Most Holy Place. 
That is what this represents. There is a curtain that cuts off that room, and inside that room is where God would dwell. There was a piece of furniture or an artifact called the Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen Indiana Jones, you kind of know what that's all about. Um, Basically, this is a very ornate box. has gold all around it, and inside the box were the Ten Commandments that Moses got on Mount Sinai. And then on top of that was a lid. And that lid is a pretty particular piece. It's called the atonement cover or the mercy seat. This is the primary space where God would dwell. Like he is said to dwell right above this space. And so all of this is inside that room. The high priest, the one person, could enter this space only once a year. And it's on the day of atonement. Every other time, he is kept out. Nobody is to enter that space because God dwells there. That's how uh, important all of this is. That's how much separation exists. So this is the tabernacle. Okay, so what Aaron would do is he'd change his clothes. He'd sacrifice the bull. And basically, he'd go into the the, uh, tabernacle, that first room, and he'd light the incense altar. And, And basically what he does is creates a smoke screen between him and God. There's all this smoke that fills the space, and it's meant to act as a screen. He'd come back out, he'd collect some of the blood from the bull, and he'd go back in, and he'd enter this room. And he'd take the blood, and he'd sprinkle it onto the atonement cover and right in front of it. He'd do that seven times. Then he'd come back out, and he'd take the goat, one of the goats, and he'd kill it. And he'd take that blood, and he'd do the exact same thing in this space. Then he'd go back out, he'd take the bull's blood and then the goat's blood, and he'd do it in this room, the the holy place room. And then finally, he'd come out into the courtyard, and he'd do it to the altar. He's sprinkling blood on all of this. This is an act of atonement. So two comments real quick here. Um, Atonement. It's kind of a weird word, right? Well, if you're following along in the notes, um, this is what the the word atonement means. It means to cover, to wipe away, pay for, and restore relationship. To cover, wipe away, pay for, and restore relationship. Atonement is a way that we cover over sin. That's what's happening here. Blood is is used to cover over sin. It's a way to wipe it away. It's a way to pay for it. Um, To make things right between the people and God. That's what atonement is, and that's what's happening in this process. Now, a second comment. Think about Aaron for a moment. What might he have been feeling or experiencing? He's told that basically he's going into this space where he could die carrying the weight of sin with him. That's a heavy burden. And it's even more real for Aaron because his sons died because of this. Imagine what he might have been thinking about, what he might have been experiencing, feeling this weight as he walks into this space. This is weighty. This is significant. Okay, now there's another interesting element that's happening in this, uh, this process. If you look down at verse 20, it talks about the other goat. And I'll read here for a couple of verses. When Aaron is finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. 
He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all of the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it into the wilderness. Here is an incredible picture of Aaron saying, I take all the sin of Israel and I put it on this goat, and it's sent away. It's removed, it's, it's completely taken away, wiped away from the community. That's the purpose of the scapegoat, and that's part of this atonement process. And so after that, Aaron would change his clothes back into his original garments, and then he'd offer the two rams as burnt sacrifices, burnt offerings. Um, and this completes the process. All of this is to make atonement. Now, one thing I want you to, to walk away with all of this is how much blood probably was involved. The number of sacrifices, the, the intensity of this process, uh, it, was, it was highly serious. And that's because there's a principle at play that we can actually see in the next chapter, chapter 17 of Leviticus, that, that helps us understand why they're doing what they're doing. So we actually have these verses on the screen. I will set my face against any Israelite or foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. There's this idea in Leviticus that blood contains life. They, they thought, like, if you drain blood, you're, you're taking away life. Something is dead. Life is in blood. And you can give blood, you can give life to cover for another. There's this idea of substitution that exists. Life for a life. And what we'll see here is the cost. God makes a way to deal with the barrier but it comes at a high cost. And here it is. It's life for life. So if you're following along in the notes, the cost of sin is a life for another life. The cost of sin is a life for another life. This idea of substitution, of exchanging one life for another, is what makes this process work. And that's, that's what is required. These barriers, this curtain, needs life to be paid. And that's the cost. That's what sin requires. Death has to be had. And so, those barriers, those things that you thought of in your life, God wants to do something about that, but it comes at a high cost. This process outlines all of that. Now, there's a problem. Yeah, there's that cost, but there's actually a deeper problem. Um, this actually doesn't address the cause of sin. This whole process in Leviticus 16, it talks about the outside stuff. It, it deals with the effects of sin. It, it restores relationship, but it doesn't actually deal with the issue that's at the heart. And it's at the heart. Look at Psalm 40. Uh, it talks about what God really is looking for. Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire. 
But my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written on my heart. What God really desires is different hearts. You remember, holiness and sin cannot come into contact with one another. And at the heart of sin is this brokenness, is this rebellion that exists here in our hearts. These sacrifices don't address that. They only deal with the outside. They only deal with the outward. They don't actually change us at our hearts. We need something better. There needs to be a better option. Enter Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Son of God. He lived the perfect life. He didn't feel these barriers that we do. He took his life and he offered it to us. He gave up his own life as a sacrifice. He became our substitute. He switched places with us. Jesus becomes the better sacrifice. The book of Hebrews uh, in, the, in the New Testament talks about this. In chapters 9 and 10, um, he, the author is using uh, this image of the Day of Atonement as a way to connect the dots for how Jesus really does go the distance. And so I encourage you to read those chapters at some time. We're going to pull out a couple of highlights. And the first one is actually on your message notes. If you look down in that second gray box, I've got verse 12 listed there. Can we read this together out loud? He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Right here we see it's not the blood of animals, but it's Jesus' own blood. It's his life that he offers. And that does a better work for us than we can ever imagine. You see, the the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about how the animal sacrifices were just outward, but Jesus' blood actually cleanses our, our souls, our consciences, our hearts. He's actually doing a work inside of us because later on it talks about how Jesus didn't go into an earthly tabernacle where God's presence would dwell. He actually went into heaven where God's presence actually is, and he offered himself. He offered his own life in exchange for ours. And it changes our hearts. And what Jesus is doing is he's fulfilling something that the prophet Jeremiah alluded to. So we've got Jeremiah 31 where it talks about what Jesus is accomplishing. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God now is in Jesus, riding on our hearts, changing our hearts so that we're no longer sinful, rebellious people. But we uphold holiness. We uphold order of life and not disorder and death. That, that is with a heart change that happens. And Jesus gives us that. It's because he had that heart and he trades places with us. He becomes our substitute. This is the good news. This is the gospel. 
I've got a space on your notes. I don't know how you might want to write it. I actually wanted to give you some flexibility. Um, what is it exactly that strikes you about all of this? But if you're looking for something to write down, maybe here's, here's a couple of bullets for you. Jesus is the better sacrifice. That's good news. He offers his life for ours. There's that exchange, his life for ours. And he truly removes the barrier. He truly removes the barrier. He's the better sacrifice. He offers his life for ours. And he truly removes the barrier. Where separation exists, Jesus comes in and does something real and tangible about it. And maybe a way to picture it is with this curtain. Did you know that when Jesus died, something happened to this curtain? There's a reference in in Matthew 27, where as Jesus is on the cross, he's, he's dying, and there's something pivotal that takes place. And we've got the words up here on the screen. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The curtain was torn from top to bottom. That barrier that existed was torn. It's almost as if God steps down, he shows up, and he says, I'm making the way. No more is there separation. No more are there barriers. You have access to me. God makes the way. He tears that curtain in two. And he doesn't just open it. He tears it. He destroys it. It's worthless now. He can't use that fabric anymore. He makes a way. This is the good news. This is the good news. So if you're following along in the notes, I definitely want you to walk away with this. The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. So what does that mean? What, what does this do? Sin created a barrier. God wanted to do something about it, but it had a cost. Jesus paid that cost with his life. And so now we can freely and confidently approach God. So if you're following along in the notes, here's the big idea. We can freely and confidently approach God. This is the new reality for us. We have access to our Lord, the one who wants to be with us. Our relationship is restored because of what Jesus has done. And so I think there's two things that we can take away as how we experience this, how we live this out, how we live in this reality. And number one comes from Hebrews chapter 10. And number one is this, if you're following along in the notes. Draw near to God and enjoy the relationship. Draw near to God and enjoy the relationship. Verse 22 in chapter 10 of Hebrews reads like this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We can now draw near to God. And what that may look like for you could probably manifest itself in a few different ways, but I think one of the ways is having a set-aside time to spend with him, 
to pray and read the scriptures, to draw near to God, to be with him. We can draw near to him. No longer do we need to worry about or be fearful of these barriers. We don't have to try and make up for them. We don't have to try and justify them. We don't have to try and ignore them. But rather, we can draw near to God freely, and we can enjoy that. It's not burden. It's not obligation. It's freedom. It's joy. And so we can choose joy to do that. So I recommend setting aside time to do that, to pray and to, to be with the Lord each day. But maybe as, as Pastor Jeff has given you this image to whistle while you work, you can do life with him to pray um, as you go about your day, as you're driving, as you're at work interacting with coworkers, or, or you're having fun with your kids. These can all be moments you're doing life with God, drawing near to him. So that's number one. Number two if you're following along in the notes, release your barriers and work on them with God. Release your barriers and work on them with God. What are those moments that you want to cover up? What are those, those aspects of your character, aspects of your life where you're just like, I don't want people to see this. I try to make up for it. I try to ignore it. What are those things? Name them to God. Present them to him. Actually bring it to him in prayer and say, all right, God, I'm going to say it out loud. Name it. That's why I wanted you to write it down on your notes, to be specific, to be concrete, and to name it. Because when we name it, when it, when it comes out of our mouths, when we get tangible with it, then we can really experience what God wants to do. And we can trust him. He wants to work on this with us. And he's going to do so in joy and in freedom. So release your barriers to him. Release them and work on them with him. This is what I think it looks like for us to approach God freely and confidently. Now remember, we talked about how sin creates barriers. It it keeps us from God. It creates separation. But God's not content to leave it there. He wants to do something about it. He makes a way, but it comes at a cost. Jesus paid that cost with his life. This is the good news. Jesus gives his own life as a substitute, as a sacrifice for us. And so now we can freely and confidently approach God. We're going to give you some time right now. Um, We're going to hear a song. Our prayer for you is that you would hear fresh this good news that you can approach God freely, confidently. There aren't barriers anymore. And so we can release those sorts of things to him. So maybe in this time, you pray about those barriers. You give them to him. Or maybe right now, you just need to enjoy being with the Lord, being with him in this moment, hearing this song. Uh, We encourage you to use the time as you need to. Because we can, we can freely and confidently approach the Lord.